You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Friday here on the Locked On Utes podcast, and we have a special Friday episode for you. We're going to finish off playing Film the Blakes. Myself and Jake Hatch, the crossover, quote-unquote, podcast host of Locked On Cougars, trying to get you prepared for the BYU Cougars. We'll also play the first and second half of the George Klyovkov and Mark Harlan press conferences for you as well. Today is the social open. Shout-out to Andrew McCullough and Connor Schoen for uh, getting everybody together on a Friday before the rivalry game to show some unity and some support. And uh, just excited to watch all the Utah fans uh, win at golf and all the BYU fans not win. But had a great time at the picnic slash barbecue, whatever. Shout out to Smoking Ute uh, at I hate underscore Reese's for the amazing food. It was delicious. And everybody else who showed up, too. There are a thousand names I'm forgetting. Uh, it was great to talk to you all. I appreciate you all supporting us. Um, seriously, it means the world uh, to hear people say that, hey, you know, I listen to you every day. I don't know why you do. I mean, I do. Uh, but it doesn't doesn't ever stop kind of not sinking in um, as someone who is who's done the same thing and with with other radio and podcast hosts uh, just really grateful for this opportunity so I'm gonna stop blathering on right now we're gonna play some music and then we're gonna get to the rest of the fill in the blanks and the rest of your locked on news podcast for today Friday September 10th 2021. Welcome into a Friday edition of the Locked On Youth Podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I am Brian Brown, and I'm here to tell you that it is not too late to listen to the Ultimate Season Preview 2021 for previews of every team and every division from our local experts and Odyssey's NFL experts. Search Ultimate Season Preview 2021 today on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Just ignore the game where they talk about Tampa Bay versus Dallas because, spoiler alert, that game is over. But i tell you what's not over, and that's Jake and I doing our crossover version of Locked on Utes where we talk about Utah and BYU playing in the whatever you want to call it game. I'm going to stick with Holy War. Uh, Jake came up with a name Church versus State, which I actually quite like that one as well. It almost feels a little bit too classy for someone like me, though. Because I never said that I was classy. But regardless, here is the rest of our fill-in-the-blanks regarding the upcoming opponent for the University of Utah, the BYU Cougars. Welcome back to the crossover podcast between the Locked On Utes and the Locked On Cougars. My name is Brian Brown. I am the host of one of those shows. You can likely guess which one it is. If you do recognize my voice, and if you do not, welcome. I'm here with a good friend of mine and a great Utah fan. No, that's a lie. Also the co-host of the Locked On Utes and the host of Locked On Cougars, Jake Hatch. As we introduce you, the fans, to the Rivalry Week crossover episode here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Jake and I started things out with... Uh, uh, a, a fun game, I guess we can uh, a word play. I, I don't even know. Word I should know good. these things. Word play is good. 
I yeah. Like that. Wanted to introduce Utah fans to the BYU Cougars as if they didn't already know who they were and haven't been scouting them all year long. The expert, one Jake Hatch, just blessed the timeline, so to speak, with all the facts that Utah fans need to know as they scout the BYU Cougars. We plan on returning the favor now with Locked on Utes. Jake, thank you so much for being such a great host earlier. The floor is yours, my friend. Do with it what you please, even if that means doing the Carlton or the robot. Okay, I'm not doing either of those, first off, because those will be recorded and put on social media randomly to embarrass me to no end. So we're not doing that, first off. But I'm going to do similar to what we, we just did uh, for Utah fans and just ask you some questions about the Utes so Cougar fans can get f- more familiar with the team uh, that obviously owns a nine-game winning streak over their beloved Cougars. So let's start here, Brian. Who is the biggest question mark on Utah's offense currently? Well, I don't know if it can be one single individual, but it's likely the entire offensive line for the University of Utah, as we still don't really know who's the starter coming out of camp at right guard. The Utes have sustained a few injuries. We didn't see any of Sautawa Laumea, who was last year's starter, was an honorable mention, all Pac-12 performer, a tremendous freshman entity. We didn't see any of Jaron Kump, who won the starting job at tackle last year. We did happen to get a glimpse of Mamadeli Olaseni. Uh, the British Olasheni, excuse me, the British import. Uh, he's roughly the size of a Range Rover. So if you're into that kind of thing, you know he'll be likely playing at the left tackle position. But that's all a question mark right now. We just don't know who's going to be starting up front for the University of Utah on the offensive line. Okay, I like that. Uh, what is the? I don't know how to term this the right way, but. Who okay? Here we go. Who is the best running back on Utah's roster? <laughs> That's a loaded question, Jake, because I don't think anybody really knows the answer to that one. But the one that that is most likely to haunt BYU fans' nightmares, and the one who has the physical gifts, is without a doubt Tavion Thomas. And he was an absolute beast against Washington State or uh, Weber State. Oh boy, we're jumping ahead. I swear I'm not looking ahead up to opponents. That's not what's happening here. Hey, Utah State beat Washington State. We can count it. Yeah, this, no, this is entirely a locked-on Pac-12 uh, mistake. It has nothing to do with future opponents. I can promise you that. But Thomas was out, outstanding. He had, uh, I believe it was 12 rushes for 109 yards, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, if I am, if I am, I'm sure somebody will find a way to correct me on social media. But Thomas is, is the one who generated the most buzz from the coaching staff throughout fall camp. He showed it against Weber State. He had two rushing touchdowns, and he is an absolute load. He is 6'3" two thirty and that is a lot to tackle, especially for a guy who runs as quickly as he does. All right. Who is Utah's wide receiver that BYU fans need to know about? Because I think a lot of them just kind of overlooked that wide receiver unit. And they know a few of the names that have been there in the past. Britton Covey, Solomon Enos. The newcomer is Theo Howard. He's a transfer from Oklahoma. Originally played at UCLA. Has had a couple injuries over the years. But he showed that he was pretty reliable. Had one catch for 19 yards in, in, in you know with only 27 attempts. That's a pretty good game, especially considering how Utah really likes to spread the ball around. Theo Howard could be the kind of guy whose experience, his athleticism could give BYU defensive backs fits uh, but there's also a lot of other guys out there who aren't wide receivers who catch passes for the University of Utah so I may end up looking like a fool which I often do it's no big deal I'm used to it 
I'm going to call this the Brett Ratliff Memorial Award, but who is the Utah offensive player who is going to show up randomly and tear the hearts out of Cougar Nation? Well, it's going to be a surprise to BYU fans, but not likely to Utah fans. That's Dalton Kincaid. He's a transfer tight end from San Diego. He is originally, in fact, fun fact, Jake, he's originally from Las Vegas, Nevada, the Henderson area. Okay. So Dalton grew up in the heart of the rivalry. In fact, uh, at some point in time, I'm sure he'll tell the stories about his rivalry experiences growing up as as, as he and I have had a chance to, to chat previously. Uh, but Dalton Kincaid, caught two touchdown passes in the game against Weber State and in a room full of good tight ends he's starting to emerge as the cream of the crop and that's impressive when you consider that Brant Keithy was one of the best tight ends in the Pac-12 last year. What is one thing uh, that BYU fans need to know about Charlie Brewer's skill set? Precision. Charlie Brewer is a precision passer. He is a precision decision maker. He carries a precision attitude about himself for all the different quarterbacks that we've seen on either side of the rivalry over the years. I don't believe that the university of Utah has had as precise a decision maker and precise a passer as Charlie Brewer since the days of Brian Johnson. And that is either a good sign for BYU fans or a bad sign for BYU fans. If he plays up to the uh, almost 10,000 yards that he's amassed over the four years that he started at the college FCS level FBS. Ooh. FBS, you know, it's all right. Uh, Flipping over the defense here, Brian, who are the standout defensive linemen for Utah who are going to make it impossible seemingly for BYU to run the football once again? Well, Jake, that's the problem is that while the names change, the uh, dominance never does. This year, it's Huati Pututau and Vianney Mawala, two names that BYU fans really haven't gotten a chance to know at all because they didn't play last year. But here's the problem. Puchu Tao and Viani Moala have both taken massive steps forward from last season as both have gotten in better shape. And Huati Puchu Tao for a long time has been known amongst Utah's offensive line as the most difficult to block in one-on-one and pass rush situations. Viani Moala dropped almost 30 pounds. He's finally in shape and he showed that against Weber State. This is an athletic, strong, stout defensive line and they do an excellent job of occupying blockers and allowing those Utah linebackers to make plays. Who is uh, Devin Lloyd and what makes him so good? Devin Lloyd is Utah's defensive player of the year candidate, and he is one of the most uh, prolific defensive players at the University of Utah. What really makes him great is the fact that the University of Utah projected him as a linebacker, despite the fact that he played safety in high school, and he has taken that mantle and, and jumped aboard on it full throttle. He's done a tremendous job of working his body into being a linebacker, working his mind into to being a linebacker and studying film nonstop to the point to where he is absolutely a candidate for the best linebacker ever at the University of Utah. Obviously, uh, BYU fans are very familiar with Utah being a factory for NFL prospects in the defensive secondary. Who is the next great Ute uh, to come out of that secondary to make it big in the NFL? 
I think this might be a lot of su- a surprise to a lot of Utah fans, but I think it's JT Broughton, the corner opposite of Clark Phillips, the heralded recruit uh, that the University of Utah nabbed away from Ohio State, has done nothing but shut down every single opponent that's come into his his line of of sight line of sight. He's a former Oklahoma State champion in the hundred meter, and he uh, also made a very exciting appearance on uh, social media vacating his uh uh i i i don't know if i can really say wins but uh vacating his stomach while uh recovering from a play in which he defended a pass aka he yacked all over it's gonna be a gif that's gonna be used for many years to come we all are aware of that if you're on social media go to my feed you'll already see how i felt about work on tuesday Uh, good call on that all right brian a couple more for you here who is the utah defensive player that we have not mentioned so far today that you believe is going to stand out saturday night it might be brandon mckinney the transfer from washington he had a pretty solid game against weber state made a few tackles made a few plays had some big hits i think he's getting more and more comfortable with the system if that happens the uh, the former four-star athlete who uh went looking for more playing time could be a name that uh cougar fans loathe by the end of the day or utah fans cheer there you go all right last thing obviously what is your prediction for saturday night's contest I do agree with you, Jake, as we, we spoke about this earlier, that this is an improved BYU football team. I think that Jared Hall is a dangerous player. I think it's the only thing that's really been able to stop him previously have been injuries. And that the University of Utah will have their hands full trying to stop that, stop that Cougar uh, passing attack with the tight ends. It's, it's going to be a complicated, uh, complex game for both sides. But at the end of the day, I think Utah has a lot of depth that BYU doesn't quite have yet and has a little bit more edge ex- of inexperience up front. I think BYU's defensive line is going to struggle, or excuse me, I think Utah's defensive line is going to uh, be able to attack the BYU offensive line. I think that the BYU defensive line will give Utah plenty of struggles as that offensive line is still not quite set in stone but at the end of the day I think the depth at Utah the ability that they have to go four deep at running back and 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 tight end and 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 wide receiver and the cool calm demeanor of Charlie Brewer is going to give the Utes an edge uh, I believe you said seven points in your prediction I'll go uh, I'll go 38 to 34 Ooh, wow only a four point difference you're expecting a shootout essentially Defense optional. Okay. All right. Well, that's how I roll. It, it, hey, let's put it this way. If a certain rumor about a certain conference, the BYU may be joining in the relatively near future is true. It'd be very hashtag on brand of them to play this type of a game. I'm like Zach Harper. I just want to go from three point line to three point line and never play defense. Let's score buckets. I dig it. I dig it. Well, Brian, thank you for taking the time. It's always good to catch up with you. And as, as mentioned, some of you are familiar with his voice. Others, uh, others of you probably could get more familiar with his voice. Yeah, one way or another, you're going to hear about me. So uh, hopefully it's just not on Cougar Board. It's somewhere cool like Twitter. All right, there you have it. Jake and I playing a little fill in the blank. And even though Jake tried to say that I'm a good guy despite cheering for the wrong team, uh, if winning is wrong, then I don't want to be right. Uh, I think we all know that Hashtag 10 is coming. And listen, gang, you're going to have to stay uh, stay energized during that game. We're going to need everybody. We're going to need you. We're going to need we need all you cheering at home, uh, yelling at your TV sets and tweeting very loudly to make sure you get your daily dose of protein. And the only way to do that, you know, it, it's eating a built bar. You need to eat a built bar this weekend to spite them 
for supporting the rival. That's how you do it. And eat nothing but the red flavored built bars like Cherry Barcia or raspberry or strawberry uh, or maybe one of the special flavors. They got the banana cream puff dropped right now on the website. And let me tell you, I've had that one before and it did not last long in my household. It is one of my favorites without a doubt. But the reason that you need to go get a Built Bar more than anything is just the, the, besides tasting delicious, they are very healthy. 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging anywhere from 130 to 180, under 200 calories. That's a great number to be at. Uh, The pulled pork that I had at the Utah Social Open barbecue definitely was not under 200 calories, but it was delicious. Shout out to at Mr. Smoking Ute and uh, Riley as well. I had some of yours and it was all good. It was all delicious. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I also had some cake uh, from uh, uh, Baby Cakes at Baby Cakes on, uh, I think it's at B-A-Y-B dot cakes on Instagram. If you aren't following her, you need to follow her. Although it is dangerous because her cakes are amazing. They taste even better. But after having all that, I'm definitely going to be eating a lot of built bars today to minimize the amount of calories I've ate. I've eaten because 200 calories, I'm going to get all the protein and all the good uh, BCAAs, the branch chain amino acids that I need. And that's the bottom line right there is I'm not going to be missing out on flavor. I'm not going to be grumpy because it's grainy or gross or anything like that. You're just going to smash yourself a built bar. So go to builtbar.com, go to built.com, use the promo code lock 15. You'll get 15% off and then you can beat the calorie bulge with built bar. All right, coming up next, we're going to have a two-part episode for you uh, recapping the comments from George Klyavkov and uh, Mark Harlan as they spoke to the media on Tuesday. Hadn't had a chance to post that one. We'll be at the Utah Social Open. At least I will be. Jake will be uh, dealing with radio duties as it is a very important week, rivalry week, the biggest radio week out of the year outside of the Super Bowl. I, I think in state it is basically the Super Bowl. Shout out to Andrew McCullough and Connor Schoen again for organizing the event. Excited to see all you Utah fans out there again. And again, a huge shout out to everybody who made the delicious food last night at the Open uh, at Mr. Smoking Ute. At Smoking Ute. We'll just call him Mr. Smoking Ute. Uh, at I hate underscore Reese's. Uh, Bailey's cakes are incredible. Um, smoking youths, pulled pork. Ugh, I'm going to have dreams about that forever. Anyways, here is the press conference, the first half of the press conference with George Klyavkov and Mark Harlan. So, with that, we'll start off with uh, athletic director Mark Harlan. Uh, God, that stuff's harder than it used to be. <laughs> well, good afternoon, everybody. Uh, appreciate you guys coming down on short notice. It's just an honor. Um, and, and really kind of historic uh, day for us here today to have Commissioner Klyovkov join uh, us here in Salt Lake. Got in last night. We had a great dinner. And then today he's had an opportunity to meet so many of our great staffers, um, our students, and even more tonight and tomorrow. So um, really honored that he's here. Um, I go back to when he was hired. He reached out 24 hours after his hire to me to check in and, and it's been like that ever since very transparent very authentic um, and just tremendous leadership and as we joked the athletic directors with him since he started on july 1 absolutely nothing awesome. has happened in the industry uh, it's been very quiet summer so perfect time to start so george welcome to university of utah thank you uh, and certainly welcome to salt lake so with that we'll we'll open up to any questions 
George, you, you have told me back, back in Hollywood you hadn't been on campus yet until you were going to make the visit. So now that you've That's seen right. it, what, what are your thoughts? Blown away by the facilities. Very impressed. And then what, what were your thoughts about the Pac-12 going 6-6 six and six over week one? I mean, some uh, head-scratching head losses, but also some big wins. Yeah, I was there for the UCLA-LSU game. I probably chose the right game this past weekend. Yeah. Uh, it was unfortunate how the North performed. I think we'll do better. Um, you know, we, we were coming off of a COVID year, and um, there are teams in our league that have played three or four games over the last 20 months and playing against teams that have played as recently as April, but uh, still inexcusable to lose some of those games. In addition to touring facilities, uh, what's kind of the, the heart of the mission when you're on these campuses, especially here? Yeah, so uh, I'm in the middle of a listening tour. Uh, I've, this is my seventh out of the 12 schools. Uh, I'm trying to complete all 12, and I will complete all 12, prior to our next CFP meeting on September 28th. And in each of the places I'm going, I'm trying to meet with all of the constituents, starting with the student athletes, but the athletic department, the faculty athletic reps, the SWAs, um, and also students who are not student athletes. And really it's about educating myself. I came with a lot of background in media and sports and entertainment, but not with a collegiate athletic background other than having been a pretty mediocre rower when I was in college. Um, so I'm trying to learn what I don't know and have been getting great feedback. What's been, has been a common theme on campuses from feedback from student athletes, from administrators? Yeah. You know, I'm sure every campus is a little different, but has there been any common themes? Yeah, I, th I think the common theme is great pride in being part of the Pac-12. Um, that, that's what I hear from everybody that I talk to. Um, the, the other thing is just what a tumultuous summer we've been through, and there are a lot of kind of unsettled issues that are work we're working through together, but there's a consistent message about collaboration, about getting through these issues together. And I think the small steps that we've made recently, uh, announcing that we're not expanding, doing the alliance with the Big Ten and the ACC, I think have been well received. You mentioned um, being really impressed by the facilities here. I'm just kind of curious, like, what all has your tour of the campus included, and what are some of the specific things that, you, that really jumped out at you? Yeah, the, you know, the basketball practice facility particularly is very impressive. This football building that we're sitting in today, very impressive. Uh, you know, I think I've seen most of the facilities, including the ski house and um, softball and the lacrosse fields. And, you know, across the board, I've been impressed. And I had the great honor of meeting Mr. Eccles at uh, the football practice just now. I know uh, how much he and his family have been uh, supporters of the university. And, you know, every building that has his name on it is exceptional. And obviously, I spent time at the stadium as well. Do you expect the college football playoff going forward to evolve into a multi-network event? I, I think it has to evolve into a multi-network event. Um, the, the idea that we would have one network who owns all of the postseason rights for college football, I think would be bad for all of college football. We need multiple networks invested in our regular season, and the best way to get them invested in our regular season is to have them owning a piece of our postseason. CBS is obviously losing the SEC package in a couple of years. Are they interested in the Pac-12? I can't talk about what individual networks are interested in, but I'd be surprised if any of the networks, and I've spoken to all of them, uh, wouldn't be interested in owning a piece of college football. It is the preeminent uh, kind of 
uh, sports property after the NFL. It's the second most watched sports property. And in a world of um, bundled media services, there's nothing more important than live sports. Do you see the Pac-12 evolving maybe towards eight conference games instead of nine to play more intersectional games with the advent of the alliance? Yeah, the, um, the North Star for football scheduling for the Alliance, and it'll take us a while to get there, uh, is having eight conference games in each of the conferences and having one game a year against each of the other two conferences. So Pac-12 schools would play, pay, play uh, eight Pac-12 conference games, one game against the Big Ten, one game against the ACC. Uh, one of those would be home, one of those would be away and would switch every year. Uh, but understand that we're respecting all existing contracts and all traditional rivalries. And when you do that, it takes a little while to get there. Um, the only thing that could really accelerate that in the near term is if we came to an agreement with our media rights partners to uh, go from nine conference games to eight, and the Big Ten did that as well, uh, we could start as early as next year if we got those agreements in place, playing one of those games against the Big Ten. What, are the, what is the likelihood that might happen? I think you'd have to ask ESPN and Fox for us. Um, I think it's a very compelling trade to go from nine conference games to eight conference games and one game against the Big, Big Ten. So I think it's likely that they would agree to it, but uh, I haven't dug into that with them yet. When you made your announcement regarding the alliance, George, the Big 12's future was a little nebulous at the time. They've since made would appear to be some moves. How do, how do you foresee if those moves are made and adding four teams to become 12 again, that factoring them into the quote unquote power five world? Yeah, so all of those moves are speculative. None of them have been announced yet. And uh, I don't really want to speculate on what they might or might not be doing. I read everything you do about who they might be inviting by the end of the week, but I don't know the outcome of that. Uh, what I will tell you is that when we moved very quickly to make our decision about whether or not to add teams to the Pac-12 and then very quickly to announce the alliance, um, one of the reasons why we moved uh, so swiftly was that we thought that it would give some immediate balance uh, to the Big 12 and allow them to proceed with whatever they needed to do uh, because we thought that the vibration that was going through college athletics uh, after it was uh, announced that Texas and Oklahoma were leaving the Big 12 to go to the SEC was not good for college athletics. To what extent did the two of you talk about this? By, by the way, are you getting any questions? No, this is These great. are all me? This is the best. To what extent did the two of you uh, kind of talk about the short-term and long-term visions of the athletic department here at the University of Utah? And I guess how can, how can you help Mark kind of achieve that if if that's kind of part of the purview of your conversation. Yeah. Do you want to start with? Yeah. I mean, I think what's what's been great about this visit, but previous conversations with the commissioner, and another thing that he did is he had all the ads come to Las Vegas shortly, really shortly thereafter your hire. In fact, I don't even know if you were on the clock yet. No, that was in it June. Was, it was in June, and, July first started. Yeah. And yeah. and he just kind of shut the door and and he asked questions. Good leaders ask questions. And he asked us, you know, what, what's the most pressing issues? And, you know, what he heard, I think, was we shared a lot of common of our concerns 
as a 12 schools. You know, we, we, the challenges of how do we get to the Final Four and win it? You know, UCLA cracked in this year and win a basketball championship. How do we get into the Final Four in, in football and, and win it? And what are all the things? Now, there's a tremendous amount, some would say 80%, or if you want a percent, on what happens on a campus to make those decisions. But then the conference has a piece to this too. And so we were able to articulate those, those things for him to, to plan when he, when he got off and running. So, you know, it, it, to have a, a commissioner, to have a conference that you were collaboratively together is so important. And when he brought us the concept, and I'm going to give him credit here, I mean, the concept from him on the Alliance, I mean, we just sat there mesmerized. I mean, here's a guy who just got started and is coming up with an offensive play in, a, in an unstable situation to really align these 41 schools. And it's already working. I mean, we're already collaborating with our colleagues in those conferences and talking about the scheduling model. So it's been set up by leadership then for the ADs to now start looking into it. So those are all the things. To, to, to be a championship level conference, as we've seen in so many of our other Olympic sports, right, which is stunning what we win, but to get these sports going, it's going to have to be like this. From the center, as we like to say, and then obviously collectively um, here. But as I told them, University of Utah is honored to be in this conference. Um, it was a special moment for us years ago, um, and having him here is, is, is really cool. It's cool for our student-athletes, our coaches, and for myself and the, and the rest of our leadership. Coming back in just to inform you that 85% of people who play daily fantasy sports lose. It is, is it really that surprising? It should not be. The game is rigged against you. You're playing against thousands of other lineups, not to mention experts who have more tools and more time. You don't stand a chance. That's why we're introducing you to Stat Hero. It's the first ever daily fantasy sports book that puts the player in control and winning within reach. Here's how it works. Stat Hero shows you their lineups and dares you to beat them. It's you versus the house in a head-to-head fantasy matchup. You name your stakes, winner take all, you have the advantage. Stat Hero is showing you their lineups ahead of time. No one else does that. Here's the best part about Stat Hero for me. I can go ahead and look at their their lineups, and I can counter mine so that if, uh, if their lineup fails in any sort of way, I get the automatic win. It's a simple, easy way to strategize against them, and then I can mix and match. So I can take the best of, of what I want to do in my lineup and also the best in terms of uh, hedging my bets against them. There's just no better way because you're in total control of what you're doing. They're laying it all out on the line for you. That's They are the... Uh, daily fantasy sports the way it was meant to be one-on-one play stat hero now and change the odds go to stathero.com slash locked on all one word sign up for free and right now you can get three times back on your first play they're giving you a 300 percent match that's unheard of go to stathero.com slash locked on again stathero.com slash locked on All right, back here on the Locked On Youth Podcast, closing things out as it is the rivalry week, Utah versus BYU. If you haven't, go listen to the uh, Thursday episode where Jake and I play fill in the blanks and do the crossover game. Uh, It's a little bit different with Jake being on here all the time, but he is a man of the people, if nothing else. Uh, We have the remainder of the Mark Harlan and George Klyovkov interview. Uh, go ahead and give this a listen. If you haven't already, go ahead and check out the Utah Blockcast. Yes, we were back in full swing. We dropped over an hour on Utah BYU with Stephen Cam and myself. It is uh, uh, winding and crazy and rowdy and just pretty much everything that the Blockcast is. Uh, in other news, here's the rest of that interview with Mark Harlan and Mr. George Klyavkov, Pac-12 Commissioner. 
And then Mark, to kind of piggyback off that, you probably answered the, the, uh, the question a little bit. You obviously have some other, you know, games down the line as far as in non-conference with like, you know, Baylor, Houston, L LSU and all that. Are you kind of shifting gears to how you're looking at, at the, the non-conference schedule moving forward? And does that have an impact on the BYU rivalry? So to answer the first part of your question, we, we don't have an opening um, until 25. And I'll work with Merton Hanks and, and that football operations team. Um, under George's leadership and say, I look at that as that's an alliance opening and, and let's see within those two conferences if there's a like match. If that's, you know, prior to the 811 model or not, we have an opening. We'd like to fill that with an alliance member. Going forward, if we don't have the 811, we won't be able to do much. As I've said before publicly, you never want to be on the end of a phone call when someone says, I'm canceling a game. It's not collegial. It's not the right thing to do. And oh, by the way, there's a contract. So from that perspective, um, BYU, as I've said, it's our, it's our rival. Uh, we have a contract out till really 2030. <laughs> That's our schedule over there. Um, and we intend to, to honor that, knowing we take a two-year break next year. Uh, they're, in, they're in their chartered waters or uncharted waters that we're going to wait and see what develops, and then they may have things. And Tom and I will continue to discuss what makes sense going forward for, for obviously for me, for the University of Utah from his perspective. But uh, that rivalry is great for college football. Outside of BYU, Utah has, my understanding is, four Power Five home-and-home uh, -home series coming up. One of them is against the ACC, sorry, against the Big Ten, Wisconsin, mm -hmm. and four, uh, three of them are with the SEC. And I think there's an anticipation, don't know if this happens or not, that if the SEC adds Texas and Oklahoma, that they're going to want to go to more conference games and that some of their teams may want to get out of their longer-term um, scheduling. So that might be an opportunity, but we're not going to break a contract. Do we have any more questions? Okay. Thank you very right, much. One more. I was just curious. What about the future of the Pac-12 network? What do you see for it? Yeah. So a uh, couple things about the Pac-12 network. So the first is I think you have to separate out uh, the production at the Pac-12 network from the distribution. So when I look at the production at the Pac-12 Network, I've been in sports television for a long time. The quality of our production, I think, is as good as anybody. Really good camera work, really good editing, good voiceover, play-by-play. -play. Um, and we also do 850 live events. Um, Next Nearest Conference um, Network does a little bit more than 500. And after that, it's a little bit more than 400. So we're lapping our competition in the amount of content that we create, and we create great, great content. Um, where the network lacks is in distribution. That's a real problem for us. And I want to set our fans' expectations. I've read the contracts. If there was a way to fix that in the next three years, I'd fix it. I don't see an immediate fix to the distribution problem in the next three years. So I'm very focused on the fact that we're the only Power Five conference that owns all of our rights and that we'll have a unique opportunity three years from now to think about distributing all of that content in a way that balances uh, several factors for me. One is obviously the revenue that uh, that distribution will generate. Second is competitive advantage. And the third is just um, having uh, our content all over the place so that we uh, lift up the conference's uh, visibility. And balancing those three issues is sometimes difficult. I'll give you an example. Uh, we sometimes play games, as everybody knows, at night on the West Coast. We're the only Power Five conference, at least today, that has T 
teams in the Mountain and Pacific time zone. So we get paid more to play that game and fill that time slot for our distributors. But we trade off uh, you know, visibility of that game on the East Coast where some of the Heisman voters and AP voters may be asleep at the beginning of the game, depending on their age, or the middle of the game. And that's a trade-off that we make today to make more revenue. We'll be thinking about all of that as we think about how to distribute the content after this three-year window ends. I know you also talked about the early kickoffs. Yeah. Um, is that is that something that is going to have to wait to to come into play after the new new media rights deal? You, you mean like the 9 a.m. body clock kickoffs that we yeah, sometimes yeah, have? Yeah, like you know within the conference as far as any conference games that that kick off. So uh, so conference games we can control the timing of that sometimes. Uh, Non-conference games that's up to each individual school to schedule that. You're talking about Big Fox. Is that what you're referring to? Yeah, the, the that 9 a.m. Or even just, uh, I, I know you guys were talking about, you know, having, having earlier kickoffs, have that kind of be a thing rather than always the 8.30, you know, 7 o'clock kickoffs, yeah. having more of those, you know, earlier in the day. Yeah, I think we're going to look at all of that as part of renegotiating the media rights when those come up in three years. And what I'd like to have is that balance between obviously driving a lot more revenue, because that's the revenue that we share with the schools, which they use to pay for scholarships, and also having the flexibility. And part of the flexibility is so that uh, when I get to make decisions late in the season, uh, I get to benefit our teams in football that are lined up for CFP invitations, and in women's and men's basketball, the teams that are lined up for an NCAA championship, I'd like to be able to create uh, better schedules for them with more visibility. George, you, know, you mentioned that you've now met all of the commissioners or the ADs in the conference. I'm kind of curious from what you've seen and what you know, um, what makes Mark a, kind of like a unique AD? Yeah, uh, so <laughs> a couple things. First of all, deep passion for what we do. Right? I, I took this job because of my passion for what we do for student athletes, and I see that reflected in Mark, and that makes me very happy. The other thing is uh, eight of the 12 ADs in our conference have been in their current positions for less than five years. So I think having someone with the hand on the wheel who's done this for a long time and who's done this in other organizations and other conferences and has that kind of perspective to think about what we did really well other places and bring that into the Pac-12 is unique and helpful. Okay, everybody good? Okay. Thank you guys. Thank you all. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. That's it for today's episode of the Locked On News podcast. Thank you for joining us this week. We'll be back on Saturday, obvious, with a post-game review and lots and lots of uh, follow-up editions from the big game, all the hot takes and the uh, uh, memories, the standout plays, the highlights, the lowlights, everything in between. As always, so be sure to follow us on your favorite uh, platform. Uh, be sure to tweet at us at Locked on News or email us LockedOnNews at gmail.com. was hoping to get some sound clips from folks with their favorite rivalry memories or score predictions. Didn't get any of that, so uh, blow up my email box already. Come on, y'all. It's just sitting there empty. Sad Charlie Brown just checking his, his mail. Nothing Nothing's there. So This has been the Locked On Utes podcast for Friday, September 10th, 2021, and we'll talk to you again after the game. <laughs>